Today's interview is a pretty special one for me. I first heard this artist in 2016. Her album, The Variety Show, Volume 1, was in constant rotation that year. The singles, Same Sky and Love Me More, were musical therapy to my ears. You could also tell I was going through a breakup that year. Through the years, I have been a faithful listener as she's released two studio albums, three EPs, and numerous singles. I, like many others, are waiting in anticipation for her third album, Have a Seat, which will be released August 20th. In addition to her musical roster, she's launched a successful podcast this year, Salute the Songbird. The conversations are centered around female musicians, artists, movers, and shakers that are flipping the script in the music industry. Previous guests have been Nikki Bloom, Leslie Fram, Amethyst Kia, and Larkin Poe, just to name a few. This is Maggie Rose. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Maggie. So excited. Yeah. Thanks for the intro. Yeah. (laughs) Good. I always get a little nervous when I write all these intros, and then when I read them for the first time in front of someone, I'm like, oof, I hope I get it right. So, good. Um, I love everyone has has their own version of it. And I think that's awesome. I was going through a breakup when I wrote those songs. So when they finally came out, I, uh, I guess that's a silver lining of having relationships fall apart, both with my label and with the person that I was with mm-hmm. at the time. So I'm glad that uh, that aided you during your time that you're going through too. Yeah, definitely. It was on every playlist that year it was on my Spotify like the top five songs that year it was it's just so funny because listening to that and then it's just always been one of those songs that anytime I go through some sort of heartache or something those songs in particular are always going to be back on that playlist it's just therapy but it's also kind of like an old friend you know Mm -hmm. absolutely and it just kind of reminds me I've been there before and so this is nothing new and I can do it again. So it's, so thank you <laughs> for writing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and for allowing it to be part of your story. Yeah. Well, so we were talking about um, my personal history with you. 2016 is when I first started listening to you, but I want to go back to the very early days of Maggie Rose and talk about your earliest memory of music. So my earliest memory of music was, kind of anything from the Disney movies that I was watching at the time and performing them in front of my family on the fireplace mantle. That was my stage. Mm -hmm. And I happily performed for them whenever they asked. And when they were having dinner parties, that was like my captive audience that I would get to show off for. But I had a solo as a kindergartner in the play, The Littlest Angel, which is what we did in school for our Christmas recital. And I think that was the first time that I realized like, oh, okay, this is a lot of people watching and not everyone else in the class gets to do this. So I'm going to take this seriously. And I stepped up to the mic and I yanked it down so that it was at the right height. So even then I had some level of authority on stage, but um, it was just always a really, it was always met with encouragement when I was little. And I realize now as an adult, how rare that is. I just got to see my folks the other day. Um, They came to my show in Annapolis, both of them and my sisters. And it's just incredible because that catalyzed so much for me and made me love singing. And then from there, 
exploration into songwriting began and the power of performance and how it helps people escape. So to have that be nurtured, even though no one else in my family was necessarily musical and they wouldn't be offended by me saying that, um, <laughs> having them be so encouraging was really, really awesome for my development. Mm-hmm. Well, and so were there any particular artists or albums, if you recall, that your parents always listened to or had in rotation? Oh, yeah. I mean, my folks loved Thriller. They loved Michael Jackson. My dad loves Frankie Valli and the Beach Boys and that whole era of music. Of course, the Beatles. But my mom um, played some really cool, interesting women artists with great songwriting chops like Mary Chapin Carpenter and the Judds and um, Tracy Chapman and she loved Patty Griffin so I feel like she introduced me to some some really defined voices as uh, female voices go and also I grew up in the era of the diva like we both did I think where Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Shania Twain, Faith Hill, like there were just these powerhouse superstar women everywhere you looked. And I know that the trends have changed a little bit. And that's something that I've been very vocal about, but just the scarcity of women in some arenas in the music industry, not all, but in a place called Nashville, there's, there's a little problem with inequity there. Um, but I'm seeing that change and it's, it's happening before my eyes. And there's certainly no lack of great female music artists. So that's my tangent for that. But my influence is definitely rich with strong female voices, Mm -hmm. singers. Well, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, we are going to get to the podcast. So I'm just going to skip down to that question. (laughs) (laughs) So you started the podcast, Salute the Songbird, at the beginning of this year. And so as I was doing my research and listening to all these conversations, you have this way of really seeing people and it's this I guess like this cognitive cognitive empathy where you can really sympathize with people and identify with people and I think because of that you're creating this safe space for female um, individuals that identify as female this safe space to be very candid about what is going on in their lives particularly as musicians um, music sorry, now I'm sorry, musician adjacent. So maybe executives, songwriters, what, what they're going through right now in the industry. And so just creating that whole space, do you feel just this sense of responsibility to just keep getting these stories out and allowing people to tell you their stories? I feel... I welcome the responsibility. It certainly doesn't feel like a burden. I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm benefiting from these conversations because this whole podcast was born out of the pandemic and there is suddenly this void of shows and the opportunity to interact with other artists. And when it came to just having this long form podcast where I could just kind of shoot the shit with my fellow peers I was like, well, I'm an expert at being a woman in the industry, so I'm going to lean into that. When it comes to making my music, the boys are totally welcome. They're welcome in this conversation. In fact, I think there are some contenders who could be guests on Sleep the Songbird that are men who are really walking the walk and promoting their fellow artists that are women. 
but this was also a year of listening for me, even though I was creating a record that I want everyone to hear now. I think 2020 on a small scale and a large scale was about having that empathy for the plight of other people. And it was, there's so much suffering going on from the pandemic, from racial inequity, just from not promoting the voices of marginalized people. And that was a really great way for me to be a conduit for conversations that I thought were really important, but not be the subject of them. Mm-hmm. And it felt, uh, like really rewarding work and we're about to start booking for season three. So obviously hitting the road and not being stuck in a pandemic is uh, not going to deter the production of this show because I love it. And it's made me a better musician, a better person. And I feel like even though all these women have such wildly different careers, make different types of music, there's this common thread about the intention that we all have in what we do and the calling that we're answering by making music. It's for us. It's about that connection. Yeah, definitely. And it's, and I also, in honor of that, I'm wearing my let the girls play t-shirt. Yeah. I thought, I thought that kind of question would come because I loved your shirt when I Thank saw you. it first pop on the screen. <laughs> yeah. And this is um, for those that are listening. Um, Callie Shore was one of your um, interviewees and she started song suffragettes, which is a, um, female singer songwriter um, round, so to speak, at the listening room in Nashville every Monday night. So mm-hmm. I got the opportunity. To I've go gotten to it. witness it. It's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, to be a part it, of it. And it's great to see. I mean, I've seen so many great musicians just the one time that I've been there, and so every time I go back to Nashville, it's always a point to go because there is so many female singer-songwriters that are so talented and they're also different and they have so many different stories to tell. And so every time I've been there, I've just been blown away and I've always found someone new to follow and want to support. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's one a- thing I would say with some pushback and anger in response to anyone saying, you know, there's just not enough good music to put in these playlists on country radio specifically is that that's complete bullshit. There is such an abundance of talent, not just from women, but from all these groups that are underrepresented. And we're sitting on a gold mine in Nashville in the music industry. And I just totally agree with you that there's always something to be discovered. And, uh, Kaylee does a great job in helping promote that. I had her on the podcast. She's just incredible. And someone who we've talked about some questions that we get that are similar, like, what are you? What, what genre of music do you make? And she and I very much have our own thing. Like she's got that country storytelling ability, but she's got this punk and sass and rock edge that makes her specifically Kaylee Shore. And that's so amazing. And with this album, Have a Seat, part of the reason I titled it that is because I'm like, that's my seat right here. Only I can occupy this seat, just like only you can sit there. I can't sit in two seats at once. And I'm, I'm claiming my spot in the musical landscape. And then also make room for other people at the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's not that hard. I think our attention spans being shortened is being rewarded all the time. And mm-hmm. Things deserve a little bit more nurturing and attention for them to really mean something to us. 
Definitely. Well, and speaking of the new album, so it comes out August 20th. So a month and a day from today. Oh my gosh, you're right. I haven't even like, why didn't I think about that? We have a big show in Nashville on uh, the 19th at Brooklyn Bowl. That's kind of like our album release party. So one month countdown begins. Oh my God. Well, and that's a great space too. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, And so you were talking about some of the songs that are going to be on the new upcoming album. And so five of those songs right now, anyone can go stream them. They're on all the streaming platforms. And so as I was taking my notes on the five songs that are out there, um, I have to say, I think Do It might be my personal favorite so far. Nice. And in my notes, I wrote down No Bullshit Anthem. And it's this feeling of just no nonsense and just, just moving forward and doing what you have to do. And to your point, kind of claiming your space and claiming your seat and giving the other, everyone else the motivation to do that as well for themselves. And so I don't know if there's one particular song off the album that you would be able to say might be one of your contenders for a favorite. I know that's always tough because it's kind of like picking a favorite child, but if there's one, it's tough. Yeah. Um, and I think there are different moods or settings that require different tunes. I, we opened the show with do it. And I wrote that with brother love and Alex, the dad of them vibes and we're very close and we all know each other very well. So it was fun to write a song about, just be yourself and I know it sounds so simple but it's so hard and try telling that to a young person who's being discouraged from doing just that and that song has just the right amount of fun but also directness of like just do it and like be happier in the long run for that um so to start a show with that message feels really uh like we're getting off on the right foot we're here to have a good time but it's also we're here to support each other and for your consideration is probably one that I think just from a theme standpoint and a meaning standpoint really encompasses the whole of what the album is about because it's just about giving each other that space, listening, not feeling like we have to convince the other person to see things our way, but at least have the compassion to make them feel heard um, and not blow up on each other. And just give them the consideration and the time to do that and do it. And for your consideration, kind of foil each other pretty nicely. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty consistent throughout. I think you can draw a connection from the sentiment behind each song to every song on the record. But those two, I, I really love it. Saint is a special live moment. I'm just going to name all the songs. No, I know. I don't think through my, all the lyrics I wrote down. I'm like, oh my God, the Saint's always such a good one too. Cause, um, to all the futures, I couldn't see me in. I'm watching my halo fade. Maybe I'm not a saint. And I was like, oh, it's like a, like a really beautiful gut punch. <laughs> yeah, sense. beautiful yeah. gut punch. That's a really good way to put it. That's how I felt about that particular line. And I say that, Maggie, because I haven't, I, I write most everything that I put out. But that was a song that I heard that John Santana, Brigida and Brett Truitt and Charlotte Sands wrote. And I love all of them as writers. We're all signed at the same publishing company, actually. And I heard that when I was out on the road 
And as that's how I felt, a beautiful gut punch. I felt seen and I try to write songs every day for artists or with artists to help them find their voice. So when I felt like I could give a song like that a life and maybe convey that same feeling, it felt like uh, an honor and an opportunity. And we really were able to make it our own in the studio. And the fact that you feel that means that I've done my job because mm-hmm. I think we've, we put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect. And uh, that song kind of, relieves that pressure a little bit for me when I sing it and hopefully for others when they hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so speaking of some of the other songs, I, when I was doing all the research, I also noticed that um, John Oates did a little assisting on or doctoring on what, (laughs) what, what are we fighting for? And so have you collaborated collaborated with him previously or was this a new working situation with him before that's so cool I don't even know how you heard about that um, oh, your, your podcast you mentioned it in past I'm like the weirdo listening oh, okay. to podcasts and taking notes <laughs> see sometimes I we are also very uh free free form on that podcast too so I don't remember everything that was said but yeah he is first of all a legend uh rock star great writer he's genuinely someone who reaches out to artists who are getting their establishment and collaborates with them he wants to work with them and I played him that song and he was like I I really love this I think you might want to just go back and have some sort of conclusion in this song and he kind of like pointed to where he felt like he needed more information and not to sound dramatic but the day we cut that song I woke up and I was in Muscle Shoals this really cool inspirational spot um Muscle Shoals is so rich in music history and I got up early and the sun was coming up and that part and I'm hoping I'm alive a little grace and a little time just kind of came out and I think it is such a good dynamic reset for the end of that song and I have to say that John really pointed me in that direction Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know if he knows that I need to make sure that he knows that because he's like this song is really good I just am not sure that you've entirely finished it Mm -hmm. and um, I think he was right (laughs) and I just showed Alex and Larry and the rest of the bands when we were at the studio and my producer Ben Tanner and they were like absolutely just incorporated it right in the song and it just allows for that crescendo at the end of what are we fighting for to really bring the drama that I think it should and I love that we open the album with it because it's asking the question and certainly not someone who thinks I have all the answers by any means. Mm-hmm. Well, and with starting that, um, and I've only heard five songs, but like just the whole like story, it seems kind of just from reading the song titles in order that it's just this cohesive piece of telling what's been going on in the world to your previous point and what's been going on in your life and just kind of making sense of it from start to finish. So um, was that a song that you, you wanted to be very purposeful with picking it as the first song off the album? Yes, absolutely. And the term it takes a village 
applies to this album, of course. And I think that's another nod to the album title is this gathering place, this table where I'm acknowledging the collaborative effort that's gone into it. And Stephanie Hudacek at Soundly, they're my distributor. She is kind of like a beautiful mind where she put all these permutations of combinations of these 11 songs together to really be like, this is the story that I'm hearing when you put these songs in this sequence. Mm -hmm. And we tried a bunch of different combinations and she was just really instrumental in helping me assemble the sequencing of this album, which I think is really paramount to having it come across the way I want it to. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm I'm just glad that she pushed for me to re-examine and re-examine and re-examine the sequencing because it's, I want this to be an event. I don't want it to be a handful of singles. I want people to drop the needle on the vinyl and have it unfold in an intentional way. Mm-hmm. And they can pick their favorite songs, but it would be nice for them to just hear it like we put thought into the sequencing of a set list when we do a live show. I think that same care should be taken in uh, ordering your album. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so you're now on tour. You are currently in Boston. And yes, you're we just be- arrived. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and so you're going to be in Charleston, which we are so excited about. And by we, we're going to, me, I'm over the moon excited. It's Saturday, August 14th at Charleston Poor House, which um, I'm extra excited about because I can walk to it. So. Oh, all right. Good. <laughs> you don't need a designated driver then. Exactly. Because yeah. um, I'll probably be the crazy weirdo in the front row, just, you know, singing. Bring it. Yeah. I love the crazy weirdos in the front row. Those are my favorite. <laughs> all um, of them. Is there one in particular and it's like a crazy story of someone that you've seen in the audience that you're like, I just, I can't, or I don't know what's happening. Like a, just a head scratcher, perhaps. Speaking of Charleston, oh, a famous Charleston loving actor that we love is Bill Murray. So I'm going to try and get him to come, but he's been in the audience when we finish. I guess he like just kind of tries to give everyone their Bill Murray moment, but he goes out to the barricades when we're done and he starts shaking and he's like, play more music, play more music. And people are like, is that Bill Murray? <laughs> just <laughs> shouting. And yes, it was. So that was memorable. Um, I've seen lots of people like just vibing out and hula hooping yeah. in the crowd, which I love. They're, you know, I think just good concert going etiquette. Enjoy it your way. Have fun. Mm-hmm. If you want to hula hoop, great, but make sure you're not hindering the experience for those around you. Don't hit them with your hula hoop. Yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen it all. I mean, what, what haven't I seen in the crowd? I've seen people literally punch each other in the face and then start making out. It's, it's just like humanity is awesome. Uh, obviously, lots of drunk people, really good dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah all kinds of kinds it's great I love it oh my gosh well I hope Bill Murray does make an appearance I um my one Bill Murray story which is horribly embarrassing is I was working an event um and he showed up and I was maybe 21 not really paying attention not really realizing who he was and he was like well you know could I come to this event and I was like oh I'm so sorry it's a closed event is your name on the list and I was you know just volunteering and not really 
thinking anything of it. And he was like, well, I'd really like to buy a ticket if I could. And then I looked up and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, of course. Mr. Can. Murray. Yes. Yes. Right. Hey, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Charleston. I'm so sorry. Please Mr. don't hate Charleston. me. <laughs> He's a great guy. Yeah. His whole family is wonderful. But yeah, we, we won't miss him if he's there this time. Yeah. We'll get him a ticket. He can he can get a whatever how many of your tickets he wants. There we go. He and I will be front row together moshing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do want to be mindful of your time because I know, like we said, you're in Boston, you're on tour, you are a very busy lady. And so um if we're going to get to the last question here shortly, but if there, is there anything else that we want to touch on with this album? Because this, for everyone that's listening, like this is going to be, I think, such an amazing piece of work. You've got R&B, you've got funk, you've got soul, you've got a little bit of everything. Um, you've got a lot to say and there's a lot to hear on it. And so I don't know if there's one like little final thing that you want to mention about the album that maybe we didn't touch on. Well, I think just the power to the people who consume this music is that I've been pretty much finished with this album since before the pandemic. And I did some overdubbing in Nashville. I did a song with Marcus King on the record that he eventually came and played guitars on and we were able to tweak it. But the meaning behind it, a lot of this was written during a very politically contentious time. And then we all know what happened in 2020. And I feel that the themes of inclusivity and empathy and compassion and being an individual are more relevant to me now after what we've all been through. But it hasn't felt real until I've seen people in front of me enjoying it. So you all make this real and it doesn't exist until we can give it away. And now that we're about to put it out it belongs to everybody mm -hmm. and I'm just so excited like it's such a symbiotic relationship with me and the listener not to sound like Barney you know children's special right now but it's so true mm -hmm. and um, my identity is really wrapped up in sharing this music with you all so and it's the people that I made it with too such an incredible eclectic group of people members of Them Vibes, members of Alabama Shakes, Brittany Howard's band, David Hood from The Swampers, Will McFarlane, who played with Bonnie Raitt, just this incredibly rich history. And Ben Tanner, uh, who produced it, of Alabama Shakes, just being so wonderful and patient and letting me make the record I wanted to make. I think we all need to find those people in our lives who help us excel and do just that. So hopefully this album will give you the courage to do that if it's not already the case definitely so I always like to end the podcast when I ask everyone what is your entrance song and so it can be the entrance song of the moment or maybe the month your lifetime like is there a particular song right now that you want to play when you take the stage you take the field this is I'm a, I've arrived song so to speak okay. So is it my own song? It can be or it, any song. Oh, any song. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> Ooh. Well, but I told you we played Do It when we get on stage. So I can't say that again. Because mm -hmm. um, that's like our big opener. Ooh, 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 ooh. 
Bam. Is it? I think. What were you gonna say? Oh, sorry. I was like, well, if it's any, if, like, if it's helpful, like, mine changes every week. So, like, um, lately, I've been listening to a lot of the Donnas. Shake it off. Oh, I, I love the Donnas. Yeah, like I don't know. They've come back in rotation for me this week, and I was like, okay, I think this might be my jam of the week, and it could change next week. It could change tomorrow, but um, that's just kind of the random thing that's really getting me amped right now. Mm, I love Barracuda by Heart. I think Ooh. that's just got like. It kind of gets you going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Nancy Wilson. She's just straight up badass. So love that. Anything Lizzo, I still work out to the same Lizzo playlist. Like, talk about body positivity and just general celebration of your fabulousness. Mm-hmm. She's the best. Time. Yeah. I like that whole record. So again, I'm not answering your question. I just said like a hundred different songs. <laughs> no, that's fun. badass women who know themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love it. Um, so how do people find you? How do they follow you? How do they support you? Give us all of the details and the links. This will also be on the um, blog post for everyone to link up. But if you just want to give us a quick rundown on how people can find you and follow you. Absolutely. You can see all my tour dates at maggierosemusic.com. We are going to 60 cities. We're all, we've only been to four so far, so we're on the road. Yeah. And coming to a town near you. And <laughs> you can follow me on all my socials at I am Maggie Rose. So I am Maggie Rose across the board, all the, all the things. Perfect. And, and we out there. So yeah. And of course, very important, the Charleston Poorhouse is going to be Saturday, August 14th. So all of the Charlestonians, we need to, let's come correct and let's have a good fucking time. Absolutely. And I have two amazing acts with me. I mean, Ben Vibes plays with me during my set. But Dylan Hardigan, whom I met on the Kelly Clarkson tour, is opening up most of the shows. Mm-hmm. He's just incredible songwriter. And then Ben Vibes has their own set and I play. And it's just like a really awesome night of music we've been having too much fun I, I needed this day off in boston to drink tea and have cough drops and do interviews because you know yeah we gotta fill up the well again there you before go. We do it all over <laughs> all right well any parting words anything else you want to say before we sign off and we let you get back to the road just come out and see us and I hope you love this album and be the target. Don't try to hit someone else's. That's my only mantra that I say to anyone who's wanting to make music or create something. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maggie. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You're awesome. Appreciate you. I'll see you in Charleston. Yes. Yes, you will.